Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name's Panos and today we're going to be talking about accepting things the way that they are. Another slight angle of what dogs have taught me since I am, if you're an avid listener, you know that one thing that I'm really into is of course how much I teach dogs to live in our society, but how are dogs teaching us to live in the now and, and, and give us experience that we can learn in life as well. Apologies for this episode coming out a little bit late. I was ex- I was away with the family for about a week, which was very, very nice. And I was actually planning to record, took all the equipment out there with me, but every, it started raining on the days that I wanted to record and it wasn't going to work out. It was too noisy. So here we are now. I'm back at home. And I guess what sparked the topic for this week was a couple of things were happening and... I observed myself and how I was, you know, dealing with what was happening. Nothing bad. Maybe some things that were, you know, less than ideal, but life is life. And, you you know, we are with every increasing consciousness, the more that we learn in life, we can't be more sensitive to pleasure without being more sensitive to pain. I really do believe that if you want to feel really elated in life and, and to experience all the fruits of your labor and everything that happens in your life, then... You're becoming more aware, which means you're going to be more aware of the things that aren't so pleasurable and maybe some suffering can can occur through that. So one thing that didn't provoke too much suffering, but it's something that is really important and I wanted to open it up with something very dog related is Chili, my dog, about four and a half months now that I've had him, in that time I haven't even taken him to the vet because he just did a vet checkup before he did come up to me. So, But he does need to um, have a procedure done. He has an undescended testicle and for young dogs that can be very bad. So we are going to remove that one. But going into there, because again, I haven't taken him many places. I've done lots of desensitization and getting him used to lots of things in our world. But going into a, a, into a vet um, clinic, number one, so ironic that we have to talk about this and taking on my own advice of talking, you know, about maybe three or four episodes ago, we talked about being scared of the vet, what should we do, etc. So... He was cool going in there. There was no problem. But, you know, Benny, my, my vet, um, wearing his mask and had to obviously touch the back of his, uh, touch his rear end and he didn't. He certainly didn't like it. Um, he was flighty. He, he just was very uncomfortable and looked very concerned. And as a dog trainer, you don't really, you know, it does trigger the ego in a way. Um, and not because... I think I should have a certain type of dog or a certain behavior from my dog. But am I thinking, what is, what is Benny? What is my vet thinking about? Now, I'm not saying that I fully came and thought from there, but it did enter my mind that moment. Like, oh, you know, I want my dog to be sound like my other dogs, right? But in saying that as well, um, I had a quick little assessment while I, while I was holding him, while he was getting um, his rear end checked. And I was thinking, that's cool. I go, listen. And me and Benny basically said this at the same time. But I said, look, when he, he there's no rush for him to to remove that undescended testicle. Like we can still wait six months, which means 
in that time, I'm going to do a lot more of going to the vet, making positive experience, do lots of training in there. Everything that I mentioned in that video, of course, I'm going to do. And it just means that I've got to do it. Now, it was the day before we left that I went to the vet and I only got back yesterday afternoon. So I haven't had time to go to the vet, but I do need to go there and pick up some medication for spades. So, um, so I'm going to go there and we're going to do a training session. So basically, I need to accept things for what they are. And instead of, and again, anyone who's listening to this, take this advice on or learn from this experience because I think it's very important that something will happen. It will kick you in in the groin and, and make you feel bad, but it's not about how hard you fall. It's about how you get up. Are you going to move forward? All right, cool. My dog doesn't like the vet. That's cool. He didn't like the people sweeping in the vet. I'm like, oh, well, that's weird. So it doesn't matter what it is, how you perceive it to be. It is what it is. You perceive it to be something that you don't find desirable. Some people may go, hey, I don't care if my dog doesn't like the vet. We don't go there very often. Usually I have a vet coming to my house, etc., etc. That's all well and good. But with my dog, I want him to be cool with it. Now, also, I haven't done much desensitization to touching him around the back legs, around, you know, the groin area and around the tail. I know he didn't like it, but I was focusing on other things. And maybe in hindsight, I should have practiced more of that, you know, get him used to that sort of handling. And in the last week, I have been doing a lot more of that and being away, I had, you know, we were out down the south coast, beautiful part of the world. We're in Currawong, Jarvis Bay area. She got, if you guys are in New South Wales, go check that out. Um, lots of beautiful beaches there. Dogs are allowed there. And he got salty water on him every single day and I had to rinse him off. So there was opportunities for me to be doing that and making him, making it worth it for him to do it. So of course, doing lots of desensitization through rewarding him every single time I was touching him around the backside there and I have the ball, I'd make him do things, I'd mark and reward. And just in four or five days of doing that, we're already starting to see um, an improvement, which means it's cool if he lets me do it. Now I need to let him let others do it. So there's going to be a process to that. But again, I'm not going to talk about what to do as a systematic step-by-step of, of what that means. Maybe we can reserve that for another episode. It's more about you see for what it is, write it down. And I did, as soon as I got in the car, I wrote down a post-it note in my car. I'm like, hey, you're doing more desensitization to the vet for chili. And boom, I put it onto my dashboard. Not that I have heaps of post-it notes there, but I have that one there because I wanted to write it down because they say writing crystallizes thought. It's a thought, but you forget to go to the vet. If I don't have to go there for another six months and then I take him there, then we're still in the same place we were. But if you can see the vet 25, 35, 50 times and and um, for, you know, a lot of his food and a lot of interaction and, and making it just another place to be, I know that he's going to be he's going to come good with it. But you've got to see for what it is and not shy away from it. And I guess that's what happens. Bad things happen, undesirable things happen in our life and we try not to work on it. Hey, I'll tell you how it is. You know, for like seven months, I wasn't able to um, – go to martial arts training and I went to an MMA class just to um, learn some technique and, and get back into it. After seven months, I realized how unfit I had become, how um, a lot of old habits came back, which was really interesting. Um, I, well, <laughs> didn't want to get punched in the head. Well, then who the hell wants to get punched in the head? But I was a lot more flighty from it and and I was really gassed out. And the last guy that I sparred with really just – he he mopped the floor with me and he really took, and look, he was really good. Obviously I'm not expecting to be anything that I'm not, but I thought I had, would have performed better under those circumstances. And it shows that lack of training, lack of exposure means that you're going to lose some of those skills. And, and, and I was truly bummed out. I left there going mad. And those I find are my best training sessions because they're the ones that 
I can't wait to go back to training because I got my ass served to me, not because I felt good. And I think that's really important. I think there's a lot, a lot of dog, like a lot of dog training concepts in that is that the frustration and that intermittent reward, because there was a couple guys there that was my size and maybe, you know, less experience or skill set than me. And I was able to submit them. And that didn't make me feel as good as it did if I was to roll with somebody and spar with them and then be successful there. But because I wasn't, I'm hungry for more. I can't wait to go back tomorrow to go back to training. And of course, um, from here on out, now my injuries have gone. Um, I can't, I can't wait to, to ramp that back up, but it's the weakness. It's the, I don't know how to kickbox and the guy was kickboxing. So I've got to work on my strikes. I've got to work on my kicks and I've got to work on all these things because I have to accept it for what it is. I got tapped out. He rolled me around. He did some weird thing and really could have badly injured me. Lucky I know how to roll out of it and I was tapping out. So my point there is that it humiliates you, but you got to be humble to it because don't think you are more than what you are. And that's not just for dog training and for martial arts, but that's for everything. I think it's always good to be asking the questions, always good to detach from a situation, step back and look at it. And um, which then kind of leads me to the next thing was that, yeah, I took two weeks off and it was really hard for me because I was burning out. I was burning to a crisp. I knew what was happening. I was, I was on the way to getting sick again, you know, and I find that when I get too overworked, and of course, there's a lot of things happening at home. I'm not just coming home at the end of the day and there's nothing happening. I've got a two and a half year old son. I've got my other dogs to work with. I've got, you know, obviously home life and everything else that needs to be tended to. And of course, the things that I like to do and I try to find a balance. But sometimes me trying to find balance stresses me out more about not being able to do it. And that's a, that's a, that's a real big bummer, right? I want to work out because they say that it alleviates my stress. But when I can't work out, I get more stress that I can't work out because I know how much working out alleviates my stress. What a, what a head, what a head fuck that is, right? So I think what's important is that see it for what it is. Again, accept it for what it is. I'm burning out. And of course, I knew that I had two weeks off coming up and wow, so well needed. I've got another day and a half left and I'm back in, at work and I've got and Bertie O'Shady, she talks um, on the Canine Paradigm. Um, she was on one of her episodes talking about the spoon theory. Look that up, really, really cool. Is that you start off the, the beginning of the day with 10 spoons. By the end of the day, how many spoons have you given away? How many spoons have you gained? And spoons are units of energy, units of attention, focus, you know. Um, and if you have 10 spoons, you're feeling great. If you've got one spoon, you're only one spoon away from having no spoons. And that means that you're flat and dead and sleeping. So I was running my days waking up and, you know, if I'm not looking after myself in times when I'm feeling stressed and overworked and thinking about all the other projects that need to be done and falling back on other things and spending time with my son and, and, and tending to my relationship with my wife and everything. And, you know, your, your sister comes from Brisbane. You've got to spend time with her, not because you go to her, because you want to, but then there's only a certain amount of time in the day and, oh, you want to work out, you've got to walk your dogs, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. So burning out is something that you need to know, well, when do I need to service myself? And do I have to wait for myself to get such to the crisp of a crisp so that I have to start to build it back up again? I think what needs to happen is something that I've learned in the last couple of weeks is know when and be proactive of building yourself back up because you're no good to your family, you're no good to your dogs, you're no good to yourself and to your work colleagues and to the community and to the world 
and beyond because if you're if you're not the best version of yourself how can so you got to know so for example talking about two episodes ago talking about just hanging out with your dog well i did leave spades and nookie with my parents and i took chili with um my son and my wife down on our holiday chili was going to stay away i was going to do no dogs at all which could have been good as well but we um but the stars aligned and it happened to be that we, we were able to bring chili so we did and I didn't do any real training with him. I didn't teach him any new skills. I didn't do much, of course, a little bit of that desensitization, which didn't take much as all part of hanging out. But we did a lot of hanging out and it was really good. It was a real good way to find that, hey, yes, we work together, but we're not like, we're not just drill sergeants all day, every day. Appreciate your dog, go for the walk, let him, you know, throw the ball into the ocean, let him go for his swim and see how he goes with the waves and interacting with random dogs. And again, yes, we're on a dog, an off-leash area. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But we're so far away from civilization. There was like three dogs on the beach for the entire five hours we were there. So, you know, um, it was all pretty safe. But there was one thing that was leading up to our holiday where I was thinking, how can I afford to go away? And then my, my subconscious conversation was, well, how can you afford not to? What is it that you want to work, work, work and do all the things that you're supposed to do and be responsible and do all the things, which is, which is what you should do. But then what happens when it gets to a point where you work so much, but you never really enjoy what you've got? And time with the family, especially with my son being two and a half years old, I think this is like really important times of his life, really fun time of his life, things that I know we'll miss because every other older person says you're going to miss these times, appreciate it. But I do appreciate it. And there's no time not to to have fun and to do the things that you actually love outside of what you are. You aren't what you do. Everyone sees me as the dog trainer, but I am Panos and beyond that, I just am what I am. And I don't want to be, too, and I try not to be too attached to these identities that we've given ourselves or society's given us because I think we try to fill this role so much that we burn out and we're like, bah, what's the point of any of it? And then, and then a lot of people decide to do nothing. It's either everything or nothing. And I think that's a, not a very healthy way of being. And again, you're frustrated, you're stressed, you're burnt to a crisp and then you want to teach a new skill to your dog or you want to do some of your reactive dog training. And what happens there when you haven't got enough spoons to give to your dog and your dog and you're not in a position where your dog's giving you any of those spoons, any of those units of energy to make you feel better, then we're in a, you know, a positive feedback loop. You, you're, you're an echo chamber in your own head trying to say, it's going to be my way or the highway, my way or the highway, my way or the highway. And what happens there? You got nothing. No one wants to hang out with you. No, not you. Don't appreciate any any anyone around you, your dogs or anything. And you actually, in fact, if you're stressed and you try to implement training, you stress your dog out and confuse them, and then you taint the session. So, I think accept things for what they are. And something that I wrote here is, dogs are primarily in the moment, and we over rationalize things. So we we, <laughs> what is it? Nine think nine out of ten things that we stress about don't even occur. We suffer more in our imagination than we do in reality. These are all very wise old quotes from from people, not from myself. And I think that 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 is very true as well. Is that more things occur to us, and we think that they're happening to us, and not sometimes not happening for us. Some some bad things, perceived bad things, happen, but only in hindsight. They, they were a blessing in disguise. So I think it's important to be able to detach and to see things for what it is. What What is it that you want your dog to, like what, what skill are you teaching your dog and how, what function does it have? Because sometimes we put so much stress on the 
on the tricks and not on the functional everyday living. That's why going down the coast and my dog spent hardly any time on the leash and everything that we've been working on was working towards those sort of situations, which worked really well. So, um, but because dogs are in the moment, yes, they perceive Benny as the threat. So my vet, he saw that, oh my God, there was a guy with a mask crawl, creeched down. I don't really like men coming in my space that that much. And, and then he grabbed my back legs and yes, he's going to remember it, but he's not holding on to it when he came home. When we left, it was a different moment where we would think about it for five, six, seven weeks later and still be stressing about it. So take that for, for, um, for what that is as well. See that your dog has an issue. See how they react outside of that issue and learn from that. Learn that you see, you see a situation, you come back, you write it out. This is my plan forward next time we encounter this situation. Where if you're so caught up in why does it always happen to me? Why do I always keep burning out? Should I change my job? Should I change my living situation? Should I, should I get rid of all my dogs? Are you going to get rid of all the things that you love because you can't manage them? Maybe you've got too much happening. Maybe you're not allocating and prioritizing your time properly. So all these questions are coming up and time away, time for a break and detaching can be a real good opportunity for you to reflect. If you put the intention onto it, don't distract yourself and drink beer all day long on your holiday, drink some beer, but have moments of reflection, meditation, go for your walk, do some workout, um, whatever it is, do some painting, drawing, play a musical instrument, whatever it is that you do to find that reflection time. And um, another thing that it is what it is, but you know, Spade's 11 years old, my, my oldest dog, and you know, his back legs are really starting to get some wear and tear from arthritis and things like that. And, you know, vet's saying that possibly it's his back that's, you know, not looking the best and we're on a treatment plan for that. But at the end of the day, got to accept the fact that Spades is 11 years old and that's no spring chicken. And you got to accept that, you know, I think um, it's, and also changing. I can't go on the, on the bike or the scooter and run really fast with Spades anymore. Three years ago, four years ago, I could have. But now you reserve that time just for the young dog, Chili. Nookie's too small to chase us while I'm on the scooter. But in these moments there, it's important that we could reflect. And also yesterday when I took the dogs for a walk, I sat next to Spades and gave him a good massage and a rub down to appreciate the moments rather than going, hey, we're doing this. We're going to throw the ball here. We're going to walk there. We're going to go home. We're going to do this. Find those moments to hang out. And I find more opportunities to do that when I have had some good time for reflection for myself so I can appreciate their moments more rather than everything has to be clockwork because you kind of lose the essence of what it is that you're doing when you are so driven and, you know, tunnel vision. Because stress affects learning, stress affects teaching, stress is good when you can overcome the stress and then it can build you up. Not that when the stress occurs and it's too much over your threshold to be able to deal with it, that it burns you out, it brings you back down. So. Same for our dogs. If our dogs are stressed, they literally cannot learn and learn new things. They can learn to stop something. They, that was really stressful. I don't want to enter that situation again, but they're not learning to do things. They can learn to avoid stressful situations. But again, what's the dose of stress? What's the dose for your own stress? Because I don't know about other dog trainers. I think most most of you would have kind of resonated and agree with this, but you know, the job takes a lot out of you. Not only do you have to drive around, you have to be on your feet all day long. 
You have to be talking, physically talking like this all day long. You're not taking full deep breaths and you're burning up energy thinking and problem solving people's issues. Every person's different. Every dog's different. Dogs want to hurt you. Dogs want to hurt other dogs. So there's so many things going on and also people are hurting. They're emotional. So you've got to like support them and, and working with these sort of emotional and psychological issues that takes a lot out of you. But then the spirituality comes through, well, you've been hit. And, and, and it's taking something out of you or you seem to have failed for whatever it is that you're working on. It's not about going home crying and never doing it again. It's about developing it and overcoming it and, become, and coming back stronger and smarter and wiser and more resilient. But you can't do that if you're not taking time for yourself and you have to and, – and not just taking time for yourself but to be detached emotionally, to see something from a third perspective and looking at it. And maybe going from a different angle and looking at it from somewhere else. Obviously, metaphorically, if you could look at your thoughts in physical form, then that would be a lot easier, right? But um, but that's what's where meditation for me and and doing those real hot baths and and um, doing Wim Hof breathing and things like that. That's where it helps me kind of go back away from my stressful mindset and coming some from somewhere a little bit more calmer. And that's what dogs do as well. You can see them. They're not thinking about tomorrow. They're not stressing about yesterday. They're generally in the moment. Any opportunity is coming. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? And we need to bring some of that playfulness. And that's what my son's been teaching me as well. It's that when you're with him, you're fully engrossed in the moment of the things that you don't even think about. The things that like, oh, look at the bee. Look, I, I do appreciate bees when I see them and, and, and parts of nature. But kids and dogs, especially at this, at this age that, that my son's at, they see things very, very similarly. And I think it's pretty cool. But again, we've got to entertain that child child part of ourselves because if we're taking things too seriously, we do, um, we make the wrong decisions or we miss the opportunity to actually live, you know? Huh. Well, those are things that I want to get off my chest. It was more of a semi-therapy session for me today. Um, and as I said, I'm ready to get back to teaching and learning and continue what I did, but I did need to have some time to just bah, back it up a little bit because, um, because I'm no good to nobody if, um, if I'm not good to myself. So I hope you guys have enjoyed today's episode. It's been, um, something of a different angle again. And, um, and Hey, I really, I know I say usually at the end of most of our episodes to, um, reach out any questions, but if you, um, find this beneficial, if you like listening to what we say, DM us, please, on Instagram, Life With Your Dog Podcast, or you can email us at lifewithyourdogpodcast at gmail.com. Just drop us an email and be like, hey, I've been appreciating and listening because honestly, when I do have people give me feedback, it keeps, it keeps me going um, more so than, you know, of course, running business and, you know, providing for the family and everything else. Of course, that keeps me going. But really what keeps me going is knowing that I'm helping people and, me and Luke putting this podcast together is about giving ourselves away. Hopefully that we can, you know, educate, inspire. And, but I need to, I need to know. And I, and I can see that in the downloads and everything else, I get it. But it's nice to have a, put a face to a name and a, and a name to a listener and to a download number. Cause I don't want to see you guys as, as a statistic. And I know that we are helping people, helping dogs, you know, and we're all here to help each other. So, hey, share us some love and just let us know that you're listening and, um, I really do truly appreciate you. Much love to you all. And until next episode, have a great day and have fun with your dog. Laters.
Thank you for listening to another episode of Life With Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at NP underscore dog underscore training, my website, npdogtraining.com, or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, .com.au. I'm also on Instagram at Kizuna Canine Training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.